0: There are now only 48 hours left to get your name into the hat in the WGT closest to the whole challenge. That's right, two more days before we make the final draws for this last week, and of course for the grand prize. For the week, you can win a free t shirt or gift card to local restaurant. For the grand prize, you can win AVS tickets, or if you're out of state, a jersey of your choosing. So be sure to get in on it. There is still time to go to freewgt.com, download World Golf. Tour, one of the best golf apps out there. Once you have the game, go to the closest to the hole challenge, and this week we are playing Chambers Bay, the eighth hole of the closest to the hole challenge. Knock it as close to the hole as you can, whoever gets it closest will win the weekly prize of the shirt or gift card, and even if you don't get it that close, still take a screenshot, send it in to us at info at thednvr.com, because you will still be entered for the grand prize drawing at the end of the week as well well get in on it while you still can this one's a putt so you can get it pretty close without too much challenge but you're probably gonna have to hole it if you want to win on the week that's all i got let's jump into this late night show and cole gets another good righty and another right by cole a left by cole this time tipped in front by mika Rentinen. he shoots and scars Nathan McKinnon! Col J T Compher, 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog, Collective hugs! 29 and 92! See me by Grooveauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their Colorado locations and use their express checkout to be in and out in minutes or reserve products beforehand online at mygreensolution.com and you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph, he's AJ Hayfley. The Avs just beat the Chicago Blackhawks four to one, and if I'm being honest, it just never really felt that close to me. AJ, you're in the same boat there. Yeah,
1: I mean the NHL. The NHL is a tough league, right? But
0: this is as easy as a win feels. Right, and it's didn't show that through the start of the game on the scoreboard it was 1-1 after the first period but mm-hmm. these were just two different teams on two different levels i mean the avs dominated the first period then they finally got up their goals and they kind of flipped it into cruise control if i'm being honest but it was fine they got away with everything
1: yeah i mean that's the their cruise control was just fine
0: yeah exactly that just two different organizations That are in two very different places, one quickly becoming a contender and the other somewhat bottoming out as far as the Western Conference is concerned.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you saw any of their their postgame stuff, but uh, Duncan Keith upset that Brent Seabrook was a healthy scratch, so... I don't think things are getting better anytime soon there, and that's with them
0: getting elite goaltending. Yeah, I mean Crawford certainly stood on his head for the first period at the very least. Well, and the goals that beat him, yeah, bar down type stuff yeah. for sure. You're not, you're not talking about anybody stopping on those. Fair. So, it, I mean, it's a tough spot. I'd I'd be a little salty too if I was Duncan Keith when Connor Murphy falls and knocks me over and gives McKinnon a breakaway. But oh my god. <laughs> But that kind of sums up what it felt like to be the Hawks in this game is the Avs, when they decided they wanted to do pretty much anything, they just did it, especially in the offensive zone. Nathan McKinnon, if he got the puck, was like, cool, I'll just skate around for a while because Chicago can't stop me.
1: Yeah, you know, Keith, Duncan Keith's headed to the Hall of Fame someday, and there were a couple of moments where he got the best of McKinnon where you're like, hey, great player on a great player. And Duncan Keith is still pretty good. You know, he's obviously not prime Duncan Keith, but I think he's still pretty good. And when McKinnon got the best of him, though, oh, my gosh, did he get that? I mean, it was bad. Like there were plays where McKinnon shut him down and it was like, cool, cool. And then when McKinnon got the best of him, though, I mean, it just made him look bad, man. Like, yeah, like he was walked him a few
0: times, like walked him.
1: Yeah, where you're, you're just like, wow, who is that pylon? And you're like, oh, that's someday Hall of Fame defenseman Duncan Keith, right?
0: Not a pylon oh. at
1: all. Alrighty, and so that happened. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, like great players, you know, somebody has to win in a in a head to head battle. Like somebody's got to come out on top, and McKinnon, I think, got the best of Keith in this one, and you would expect that given where they are in their respective careers uh and mckinnon's just uh, he's so good man and just seeing the way that he is every single night it's going to be it's going to be very very hard to keep him out of the top 3
0: in heart voting this year i would think so i mean he was a man possessed in this game the chicago just were beings in his universe that he could play with for the most part Straight up, man. I mean, they, this was just super impressive.
1: Got, got the big guys back together tonight. Didn't, honestly, didn't really matter that much as a line. They had some, some nice shifts and put together. I mean, they scored three of the goals tonight. So, you know, cause that top line is what created the cold goal, uh, the first one of the game. I mean, that was a
0: good 45 second to a minute shift in the offensive zone because of them.
1: So, right. And, you know, Cole gets it from Zdorov and Landeskog, but it's like top line did all that work there, and uh, the the D finished it off. A lot of D scoring in this game. You know, really, when you talk about a team that scores a lot in transition, typically that's what you see is, you know, you saw the, the second goal and the fourth goal both had uh, and secondary assists where they were like basic outlets, right? Yep. And that came down and uh, you know, McKinnon scores in transition that ranted in pass was really nice because had he tried to put that on his blade uh, it would have gotten knocked away. And so he put it where McKinnon could make a play on it. Uh McKinnon makes a great play, kicking it with the skate to his blade and then with a beautiful shot. And it's that's like, that's so nasty, man.
0: Yeah. It's like passing it to the back shoulder when you're a QB, right? You put yeah. it where the exactly where your guy can go make a play. Yep. Right. So, and, Guess what? McKinnon makes that play most of the time. So,
1: well, and and then you know Andre Burakovsky with a great play in the neutral zone, break it up, and comes in by himself, and uh, not something I noticed on the first first time that I watched it. Not something I noticed live, but if you watch him, the way that he kind of changes the angle of his shot as he's going to shoot it, he doesn't just pull it out wide and and try and get as much torque on it. He kind of brings it inside his feet, inside of his feet a little bit and i i i'm assuming that it it has to do with where the, the defender is in front of him um but i'm i'm not 100% but i it was just a little thing that i noticed that i was like oh it's pretty cool i mean he did go through the defender's legs with it so yeah and then okay
0: so there you go and uh, i mean miko bullseye. yeah the long the long shot for miko there to get yeah. on the on the goal train another 10 goal scorer for the avs yeah Yeah, Landis
1: picking up points like this is easy.
0: Right, two assists. (laughs) And, I mean, look no further than how good Nathan McKinnon is because he got Anton Lindholm an NHL point. Yeah. And, I mean, that's a a feat to get done. Well, and,
1: yeah, and that's, like, no knock on Lindholm. but you look at his career, I think he's got, what, two points in 50-some-odd games? Yeah, I think the assist tonight is his third. Oh, it's his fourth point. Yeah, in 62 games, so there
0: you go. It's that easy. <laughs> well, yeah, the Avs certainly made it look easy against Chicago. We'll we'll put it that way. And talking about McKinnon is fun. Talking about those top line guys is fun. But quickly, one of the funnest player versus player rivalries developing for the Avs is Sam Girard versus Alex DeBrincat. What the hell is going on here? Right, it's the weirdest thing ever. But Gerard blew up to Brin in this game, and it was fine. The hit was maybe a touch late, but not
1: too late. De- I thought it was late. I wouldn't have had any issue with a with a penalty. I also have no issue with no penalty. I, I thought it was a borderline hit where, if you flip a coin, you could you could make an argument either way. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with it, and the hit. I think looked a lot worse um
0: just because of the situation, like where it was, kind of open ice and he slides into the boards hard and yeah, it obviously it created a big scrum for both teams, and Chicago ended up getting the only penalty out of the situation, but it it's just a really interesting one to me because you know everyone talks about the McKinnon versus crosby debate and and things like that, but here they have this little thing brewing where the two smallest guys on their teams have the most physicality of anyone. Right. And like,
1: what's up with Sam Gerard all of a sudden, you know, because not even, not even in just as part of this rivalry where he got into a fist fight with Debrin cat the last time they, these two teams played, but you remember the interference penalty that he took like a week yeah. ago? Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a strong boy now. Yeah, like no more small boy. Now mad boy. <laughs> I don't I don't know where this has come from, but it's been kind of wild uh to watch because that penalty he took against Jersey where he just ran that dude into the corner. It was like what? Who
0: are you again?
1: Seriously, his his penalties this year, that interference penalty Five minutes for fighting and then another penalty that I just don't remember. But it's like two of three. Tough guy stuff. Yeah. And now and now a borderline hit.
0: What? The new and improved, I guess, Sam Girard. He was credited with three hits on the night, which is as much as anyone but Landis Gog. i if Sam Gerard wants to play like this, I'm cool with it. I think we've started to see that
1: more and more he's he's not the offensive guy that we all wanted him to be um i think it's it's basically getting to be impossible to make that argument. Um he's being outscored by both Ryan Graves and Ian Cole right now. And like there's lots of season left, but his points per 60 have always been low his entire career. Yeah. And if he wants to embrace a little bit of physicality on the other end of it and and you know, the offense still isn't going to come, not that the two are related, but he still wants to he wants to get nasty like that and then I'm I'm all for it, man. There's no downside basically. Yeah, anything anything that makes these guys tougher to play against is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's one more feather in the cap and whether that's toughness or that's shooting ability or it's speed or whatever, Whatever, whatever facet, any any aspects of these games, the uh, the games that any of these guys have, they just start adding to once they get into the NHL and they're proven and they're like, okay, this is who I am. Now I'm gonna start adding to my game. Just makes them that much tougher to beat. And a constantly evolving team that's already this good. I mean, these guys, we we've been saying this for a while. These guys are already a problem for everybody involved. It's not going anywhere. They're they're just gonna get worse.
0: For everybody. This is just going to get harder. They're going to get harder to beat as the year goes on. You love to see it. We're going to take our first break there and end up this first period. As this time, I get to drink an avalanche from Breckenridge Brewery because the Avs took the W as they always seem to do on Wednesdays. I usually find myself drinking an avalanche. Breckenridge Brewery's been around since 1990, started here in Breckenridge, Colorado, had a bunch of it tonight at the watch party, which was a blast. Always a good time to team up with Breckenridge in that regard and have some free beers. The first round was on us if you missed it, so you had your chance. You can still find that Breckenridge beer in your local liquor store or Davidson's, though. Highly recommend it. Davidson's is actually doing a deal where they are their beer of the month, so you can get a six-pack for just $7.99. Highly recommend you get on that while you still can, and keep an eye on the Breckenridge event calendar on DNVR because we have these events pretty regularly. I believe the next one is another Broncos tailgate where, again, we have free Breckenridge Brewery, so no excuses for missing out on this beer. Go out there, come hang out with us, have a good time, have some beer. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by the Green Solution. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. Is there anything that the Abs do at even the same level as Chicago? Because it seems like they were just better in every single facet to me, AJ. Uh, goaltending. I guess that's fair. I guess they do have Crawford and Leonard back there. Mm-hmm. I, mean, which... I mean, they've been maybe the best
1: tandem in the in the league so far this season.
0: Hasn't gone very well for them against Colorado, but outside it of that, yeah, <laughs>
1: has not mattered at all against the Abs. <laughs> so, I, uh, I yeah, the fair, the Abs with sixteen goals in three games against Chicago.
0: So, yeah, uh-huh. McKinnon has eight points in those three games. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Plus uh, the 10 of
1: Colorado's plus 31 goal differential comes just from the three games against the Blackhawks.
0: Is is this just a product of the abs simply being a better team than Chicago, but there was a noticeable attempt by the abs to be more physical in this game. And I'm not talking about just Sam Gerard. There were a couple of shifts where Kadri was running around trying to blow players oh, up. Oh, oh. He had that one shift yeah. early on where he was just like a heat seeking
1: missile. Yeah, that guy was, like, unleashed. I was like, oh, boy, he's going
0: to do something stupid, and then nothing bad came of it. Yeah. It was great. It's nice when you you can play physical and not get punished for it, but it's not something we've seen a ton of from the abs. Kadri is one of those guys who's not afraid to do it for the most part, but it just... I I don't know. I couldn't tell the difference if it was the abs are dominant, so they're just going to do whatever they want, or if they're trying to bring a little bit more of that into their plan.
1: Uh, I think that some of it is Chicago-based. Um, I think Chicago is kind of like old Colorado. You know?
0: Definitely got that vibe, yeah. A
1: lot of intriguing forward talent, nothing on the back end, hoping that the goaltender keeps them afloat every night. And you could punch them in the mouth, and they just will take it. It's just <laughs> they have no answer. Yeah. Um, I, I just think some of that is that's how you go about beating Chicago is that you you beat them up a little bit and it takes them out of it. <clears throat> guys like Strom and Nylander. They don't want to mess with that, man. It's not who they are. It's never it's, it's always been a criticism of those guys. They don't want to get dirty. Patrick Kane has survived his entire career by avoiding contact uh, Alex DeBrincat, little dude. The only way he's going to get by is if he does not take big hits. And he took one big hit and it looked like his life had ended, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, he was definitely feeling it. And it came from <laughs> Sam Gerard. So, yeah.
1: And like, you see that you see about all the little guys in the league. It's just that they have a handful of them and they're, they're depth guys. You know, this, they're not, they're not running out the elite two way guys anymore. You know, the, or, or certainly the elite defensive guys like, uh, the The Swedish guy that they used to have, Marcus Kruger. You know, they don't, they don't have that anymore. You know, they don't even have a, they don't even have a, the, the caliber of a, in his prime and Nisimov anymore. To to go out there and, and help them with some of the defensive heavy lifting. They're just, they're all offense. And the guys who, who aren't high, high skill offensive guys are just kind of bad. Yeah. a Very one dimensional team and they have to play in transition. I you and I watched the uh the the game in Chicago, the first game of the season in Chicago together. Uh and we talked about how their defensemen crash all the time. They they jump into every single play and like this is a great example you see why you can't do that because they give up so many odd man rushes. They give up so many quality chances just trying to get out of their own end, and they're just not good enough to play that way. They're not good enough to match their mentality. Their skill level is is not they're, – they're, they're like that dude that shows up at Thanksgiving and is like, I'm going to put away half of the table, and he gets like a plate in, and next thing you know, 20 minutes later, that dude's asleep on the couch. <laughs>
0: Eyes bigger than the stomach for exactly. sure.
1: Exactly. The, the the Blackhawks are their their entire identity right now is that their eyes are bigger than their stomach. They they think that they are trying to play a way that their skill level just will not allow. And they tried earlier this season, they tried to slow it down. They tried to play a grindier style, but they just the guys that they, exactly the guys that they have can play one way, and that's this. And when it works on the nights where everything is clicking and everything is working really well and it works, they're a legitimate threat. They are dangerous. But when it doesn't, you see, you see like tonight, a more skilled team, a better defensive team, it just shuts them down. It just chews them up. And they're only, it's telling to me that outside of their goal, their, their most dangerous scoring chance after that, was a weird double deflection off Ian Cole and off Frantzo's shoulder and onto the post. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a good matchup for the abs, too, right? The, oh, yeah. Chicago says we want to play in transition, and the abs forwards are just licking their chops like, let's go. I
1: mean, during during Chicago's heyday, there was a reason the abs were, got up for the, the games against Chicago because the Blackhawks wanted to do what the abs wanted to do. They were always in Colorado's wheelhouse, and this is this is like... What we saw with the ABS in St. Louis the other day, where it was just like, oh, this is just a team that they just can't handle this, right? Like this particular team, they just can't handle it. The ABS are that for Chicago. Chicago just cannot handle what Colorado wants to do. And this this is not a this year thing. This started a couple of years ago, and we, we've seen it manifest in them blowing out Chicago a number of times over the last two years where they... I mean, the Abs have stomped the Blackhawks the last couple of years in games they've won. So, I mean, it. Th- this is just a... This... The Abs are just... For right now, the Abs are built to pick up easy points against Chicago every time they're on the schedule. And it does not matter if United Center, Denver, it does not matter. They, I mean it's hard to sweep a team in a, in a season series, but Colorado has a very real
0: chance to pull that off on Saturday night. If you could hand pick a team for the abs to play after losing a tough one to the <laughs> blues, Chicago would be pretty high on the list. I would think it would be, it would be like Chicago, Detroit, Ottawa. Yeah. Maybe New Jersey just cause they're so bad, but <laughs> right. Like, they would be they would
1: be right in there um vancouver <laughs> they've been they've been crazy fun games against the canucks the last couple of years yeah i
0: mean it might be fun i don't know if i'd pick them as a, a bounce back game though
1: yeah i mean games that you're trying to win it's going to it's really chicago's going to be up there for for colorado because these games have not been competitive
0: yeah, I, like we said, you know, this one wasn't really that competitive either. By the middle of the second no. period, you know, the Avs were up 3-1 and said, "Okay, let's just hold it down basically." Yeah, by
1: by the after they got the 3-1 lead, I kind of just sat back and was like, "All right,
0: I mean, barring a major screw up, this is done." And it was. It I it wasn't even that dangerous, basically. Like you said, they had that one super weird play off the post, and the rest of their shots were like, oh, it went right to Frantzos's chest. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, man, they... Just a better team. Better team built built to dominate them. And
0: that's that. I like to hear it. The one goal the Avs did give up did come against the Barbario Lindholm pairing. Yeah, and really not a lot of blame on that one. Barbario makes a bad pass.
1: Francois probably overplays it a little bit. And then and it's a nice shot.
0: Yeah, Barbario made a bad pass. I think he made a bad read after the fact too.
1: Oh, were he overcommitted?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, your bottom pairing, when two of your best defensemen are injured, gives up a goal and you say, yeah, well, you know, you kind of expect that to happen to a certain extent. For sure. And like you look at like the abs have played, I think Mark
1: Barberio has played a third of their games this year. And there are not I, I off the top of my head. How many major mistakes has Mark Barbario made? Right. He doesn't immediately jump to your head when you're talking about something like that. Right. Like, like tonight you might remember the turnover tonight, you know, we'll, we'll see in a few weeks, but in a four, one game, like you're talking about the team as a whole made one big mistake. And it came from a third pairing guy. It's just not a big deal, man. You know, it's, it's they're They're not sitting around. I just don't have an issue with barbs. Right. He's the, he's your seventh guy. He's your rotational guy. he, he comes in. He chips in every once in a while. He's got a couple of points on the season. You know, he he doesn't play every night. He's not going to be asked to play every night. You've got two of your top four defensemen who are out right now. So this is the world that you're in. Like this is this is just it's just fine. And Bednar looks like he's got a, a a comfortable range in terms of minutes that he likes to play. Barbaria, yeah. And so it's just not it's not it's not such a issue. Like you said, oh, could could every team probably use another like stout defender? Sure, but because I've seen the like, oh, well, they the Avs could use another guy because what if McCarr gets hurt in the postseason? Like, well, what if you take everybody's best player off in the postseason? Right. You know? you're, you're, there's no replacing those guys. There's no going out and getting Kale McCarr insurance anywhere. If you if you theor if if you wanted to do that theoretically,
0: Bowen Byron's probably it. Yeah, that would. Actually, probably make the most sense in that regard. And it's, I mean, Barbario is what he is. I think you can get away with playing someone of that caliber a lot more when you are such a good team like the Avs are this year. You know, he makes one mistake in this game and they win it 4 1. So that mistake ends up meaning nothing.
1: Right. Like, and. You're talking. Even your third pairing guy goes through the game and makes one mistake. Like you
0: got yeah. a pretty solid third pairing guy. You yeah, absolutely. Live with that for sure. Um, like,
1: do we do we remember? Do we remember what it was like to be Chicago, where you're looking at those defensemen? You're looking at those defensemen, and, and it was just like constantly just hemorrhaging odd man rushes and scoring chances and. The shot metrics were just, they were God
0: awful for all of them where you're just sitting there like, yeah, Connor Murphy's playing on their middle pairing. And the whole game, I was just saying, why, what is happening?
1: He was bad. The minute they picked him up, you, you know, more than ever, more than ever, you cannot be a defensive defenseman who can't skate. And like we, we, you look at a guy like Ian Cole is always going to be divisive, right? Iffy with the puck every once in a, you know, iffy with the puck, let's just say iffy with the puck defensively gets called for some things because he gets overly handsy, like a, you know, like a kid on prom night, you know, just gets a little too eager with the hands every once in a while. And then other times ultra effective, but like Ian Colt, not the fastest skater, but not a bad skater. That's not a guy where I'd I would I would criticize him
0: for being a bad skater in and, today's NHL I would say he's about as slow as you can skate.
1: Right. Like he's he's kind of on the edge. I would agree with you that he would be a guy on the edge. Where as long as you're able to keep up with like 70% of guys in the league, there's always going to be the elite guys that just smoke you and you're just like okay, well there's just not many of those guys. Yeah. So I'm not going to worry too heavily about it, but like Cole is, he has really quietly, like, I think a very slow start, but I think he's turned it around a little bit in that he's, he's found a way to cut, cut out the penalties and be effective at even strength. And I mean like the 14 points, like you'll take whatever offense you get out of being Cole.
0: I mean, I'm a little bit less sold on his skating ability. I think it's it's slipped a bit. But as you said, if the dude's going to put up points like he has been, there are not not much you can complain about in that regard. I don't think the points will last, but I think the defense is passable enough, especially he hasn't taken a penalty in what, like 10 games or something? I, I don't I don't honestly even know. It's, it's been, been a while. while yeah. It's the same with Zadorov.
1: Like, we've been looking at Zadorov, and it's like, okay, he's been playing a lot better. Had a really tough night in St. Louis. Bounced back tonight. Got the Patrick Kane assignment. Did very well once again. Picked up an assist tonight, but you just don't care about Nikita Zadorov's offense. You don't, you don't care that much. He's got five points on the season, and it feels like this has been one of his better seasons. Just because he has grown, He started to grow into a specific role in which he can excel. And with Ian Cole, I think we're still seeing some of that. We're still seeing that, you know, there are going to be nights where he's frustratingly bad. There are going to be stretches where he just doesn't, he does not play very well, but the guy's been really good lately. And, you know, (laughs) it's, if you're going to lose a guy like McCarr and Johnson, you need, you need guys to step up. And I think Cole has done a really good job of that.
0: Certainly fair. They don't have anyone else to give those bigger minutes to. So, Cole and Zdorov have to take them on the back end. And they both have very, very well. Yeah. We will end the second period of this podcast right there. And there is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally-owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado Mountain Pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer to that question. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including Breck Brew, of course, and your favorite sports team playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms, if that's what you're looking for, for a holiday get-together or to celebrate a birthday or something like that. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options, if that suits your fancy. Nothing is more important to location to Bojo's than their community, which... which is why they're always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front front range locations. They are also offering this holiday season special pint glasses, special pint glass koozies that make a great stocking stuffer and also comes with a $5 gift card. Check it out on their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-O-J-O-S.com. And tell them DNVR sent you. Uh... Third period of the DNVR <laughs> Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution as AJ realizes we are in fact live. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Uh, I, I think AJ and I have both kind of talked out this Avs game. The ABS were just the better team and Chicago couldn't hang. It's pretty simple as far as that goes. More interestingly, the Eagles won both of their games this week, and they won them by a lot. The first one, they won 5-3. to three. Tonight's game, they busted it out 10 goals. 10 goals. All but one player on the team had at least one point in the game. And the guy that they did not call up in Kevin Connaughton has eight points across those two games. So, yeah, maybe not getting called up is exactly what he needed, apparently.
1: (laughs) Kevin, uh, so I got to a couple of people sent me one of those goals where he just, like, danced a couple of dudes. Yeah, the
0: filthy hands, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I remember he scored one of those during preseason, uh, or it was during training camp. And I went to talk to him, and I was like, Kind of a filthy goal he scored today. And he just, he kind of smiled at me and he goes, I've still got some of that left of me. <laughs> and so when he did it, he did it last night. I was like, good for you, man. Good for you. A really awesome guy, by the way, Kevin Uh So I'm I'm glad that he's he's experiencing success there and <laughs> making like a mil five to do it. So good for him. Um, Got to feel great for the Eagles. Like you're going to have a couple of extra bodies lying around having veterans that actually give a rip is a nice change of pace for
0: them. Definitely, definitely a bit of a different change of pace. Uh, you know, there were a lot of those veteran-type guys hanging around on this Eagles team over the past few years that they were just kind of earning a paycheck. And yeah. it was something that they managed. Hey, I mean, they they played, they made the playoffs last year, and hopefully they can do that again this year. But given that this team... Has seemed to find a bit of a groove as this season went on. There was a lot of shakiness to the Eagles at the start of this year, but they're still not the best team in the AHL by any means, I don't think. And there are still some issues that I have with how they manage the prospects, but they are capable of being a winning hockey team in the AHL. And that's nice to see. Honestly, if they're not a playoff team this year, then the coaching staff let them down. I would agree with that, wholly. And. It's nice to see them healthy as well for the most part. I say that Connor Timmons is injured because the Avs just – that's their lot in life now. But they've gotten Martin Kaut back. They've gotten back the majority of the players that were either called up to the Eagles or otherwise. And it's starting to come together as a team unit. For the first part of the season, they relied heavily on just the veterans on the team to score points for them. Now we're seeing guys like Kaut. We're seeing like guys – Guys like Bowers and even Igor getting involved in the offense with more regularity, and that's nice, top to bottom.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's you know seeing Cow get off the the, the scoring Schneid tonight was big.
0: Yeah, definitely. I <clears throat> Shane Bowers five points in five straight games. Yeah, he's. I'm telling you, man, he's going to play an NHL game the, this year. The push
1: is coming. And, uh, you know, him having the early season injury when the abs had all their injuries was awful. Unfortunate. Much. Yeah, <laughs> because realistically, that guy might have
0: just straight up stolen Kamenev's roster spot at that point. Pretty much. I. The only thing that is holding him back from having an NHL roster spot is that he's a center essentially at this point. So,
1: well, and, and where do you put him in Colorado? I know. You it's, know, like. This is the conversation we had the other day of what in the world do you do with Tyson Jost continues to be a thing. What do you do with him, man? They moved him up to the second line tonight, and he immediately goes and plays wing and immediately has his worst game in a week, two weeks. Yep. You know, when he's at center, he drives shot generation. When he's not, he doesn't. And so you're like, okay, so that means Jost is a, to get the best out of him, Jost is a center. I just you just don't you can't take Belmar out of your lineup like that's a that's a non starter that's just working too well despite his offensive regression. you knew that was coming, but he works too well with the other guys that he plays with that's that's too good of a line. There's no reason to tinker with that. I just yep. don't know you know I don't know where you get him
0: in at this point. It's just really tough that The Avs have committed to so many centers, right? And and we've talked about this at the start of the season. Ultimately, you probably look at moving Belmar to wing. And you can play Belmar on the left, Calvert on the right, I guess. Yeah, well, and next year, like, if you just
1: look ahead next year, you let Nieto go, you move Belmar over, and you put Bowers in between them. And, like, that's your solution there. That's an easy solution. I don't know that that's what they'll do, but... That's certainly one of the one of the possibilities, right? Like something that you can easily just point to and be like, okay, here's how you do this. Here's how you make this happen. I as if they are with them with them being healthy right now, uh, outside of Colin Wilson, I just don't know what you do. Yeah. I, I, do you I mean Kamenev is still still hanging around too. What's his future? Well, I I mean that's a guy that I've said I think is for a while now that I he some some center needy bad team needs to give the abs a call and see what they'll what they can do to take to to take him off their hands. Take whatever you can get for him at this point, because there's just not room for him. Right. Like his, there's not a Colorado future for Cam. And that's more bad luck than anything at this point. Uh, but it is the reality.
0: It's right. We're not we're not saying he's not an NHLer. we're just saying right. he cannot find a room on the abs. For sure, and like if you're the Detroit Red Wings, why don't you just make that call? Why don't you
1: call them up? Why don't you call up Colorado and and say, hey, what what's what would what the cost be to maybe take both Joe and Kamenev off their hands? To one AA or AM. So you know, like, and maybe maybe build from there, or maybe you know, that's the start of something. Whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not saying this needs to happen. I'm just saying. If I was running one of those teams, I'm looking at, okay, well, who's not playing for Colorado? That because that's what Colorado was able to do to build up the back end of their roster. Who's Same not terrain, playing? Right was
0: exactly that for Nashville. I
1: mean, even not even in that major of a deal, but you're talking um, you know, the barbarios and Nietos and Nemeths of the world, you know, fringe guys. Those guys all got waived, but it's like uh, you know,
0: <laughs> Somebody should be calling up Colorado. I mean, like, look, you got too many skilled guys here. Right. I mean, Nieto is the great example of that, right? That was on the Sharks team that ended up going to the cup final that year.
1: Yeah. And the very, you know, what was it? November of the next year, December of the next year, after they go to the cup final, that guy's,
0: that guy's waived. Yep. And it was like, okay, well, you know, that guy's. He's good enough to play on twenty-eight teams in the NHL. Right, from what and, I heard, there were like twenty teams that put claims in on that. NFL. Right, exactly. So, they, I, I don't know if there would be that many with Kamenev, but I certainly think there would be a few. Right. Well, and there should be. Like, this is a this is a
1: young twenty-year-old center who's shown a little bit of ability in the NHL. Just hasn't had opportunity. Hasn't had consistent opportunity. And if you were a if you're a bad team like. Columbus would actually, honestly be an amazing example. Like Josh Anderson's been bad for them this year, you know. Okay, well, Josh Anderson for uh you know, something around a Kamenev type thing. Easy, right? Like you want to, you got to start taking chances somewhere. Uh, these bad teams that sit around and stay bad blow my mind. Yeah.
0: <laughs> why not at least try to improve yourself, right? In one like, way or another.
1: Like, why aren't you trying to min max somewhere? be proactive somewhere on your roster. And for the Avs, I think they should try and be proactive in trying to consolidate some of the assets. The, the raw reality is like Colorado's pipeline is great. But if even five of the guys who are not on their roster today, work out, that's too many guys. And then they have to move pieces sooner or later. Exactly. You're, I mean, they're going to have to consolidate at some point. It's best to do it while all those pieces still have their peak value before you let them turn into A.J. Greer's, where they get stuck as tweeners, and they can't break the NHL roster, they're no longer prospects, they've gone through waivers, like, the value on them has tanked. So, you know, and and this started with talking us, us talking about how Kevin Connaughton has been dope. <laughs> and I don't even know what to do about that.
0: I mean, I had to play the over it. Anton Lindholm, but, yeah, it's there's no such thing as too much of a good thing, but you got to <laughs> figure out what to do with the good stuff. Right? Yeah, for sure. Like you've got to find your way through some of this.
1: And I don't think that you can just see, I, I don't think you can just like sit there and be like, Oh, it's fine. Yeah. You got to be a little, a little more proactivity here. Uh, right now, everything is rocking and rolling in Absland. land. There's no need to, to tinker for funsies. Uh, if if somebody got smart and they did come calling around fine maybe maybe you'd make that move, especially like Bowers is obviously legit. this is obviously the real deal after the preseason that he had and the season that he's had not that he's healthy, come yep. on, this is the real thing. <laughs> you know it's the real thing. you're just waiting if somebody wants to take a, a cam off your hands, you've got his replacement ready ready made right there it's fine like and and at some point, like the whole. The 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 playing big minutes in the AHL gives you diminishing returns the longer a prospect is down there it's,
0: it's just just does yeah
1: right and it's and that's a different timeline for all the prospects but you remember Bowers had two years already in college like this is you know
0: this this is not an 18 year old kid. And this is something we talked about with Kout as well. The reality for some of these guys is they're projecting as a bottom six player in the NHL or a third line player for sure. And, and that's a role you have to know how to play. That's if you're playing on the top line in the AHL, it's going to be a little bit different when you have to grind it out on the third line in the NHL.
1: One of the issues that the abs have had with Tyson Jost has been this exact thing. Yep. That guy played top six everywhere. He went, showed up to Colorado, was not a top six caliber player and has had to learn on the
0: fly how to, how to adjust and how to be successful elsewhere. Right. It's, it's a learning process in that regard, as much as it, as it is being able to play at the NHL level and speed and all of that. So it's definitely a situation that every prospect is different and every prospect mm-hmm. is going to need X, Y, or Z. So, it's time to start making those fine-tune adjustments a little bit more as an organization for the Evs.
1: Yeah, and this this trade deadline represents a great opportunity to do that. Um, and we've yep. obviously we've got two months until all this has to really become come kind of come to a head. But it's good to start looking ahead already, and it's nice to see that the Eagles are starting to find their legs. Um, I guess wings. Um, they. <laughs> They've always been more talented than their results uh, this year have really let on, in my opinion. I think that they have underperformed a little bit. So, yeah, I want
0: to see them. I want to see them get going. It, uh, hopefully, this is the start of it. As I think they've won three or four in a row now, mm-hmm. and you know it, it's nice to see guys. Igor has six goals on the year so far and has come on strong in the last couple of games. So, yeah. somebody texted me tonight and said, "Should
1: I even get excited about this?" And I said, "Look, he's a potential bottom 6 guy with some skill." Right. Like, it, there's there's the possibility that that guy becomes a real prospect for you, you know. He was a he was such a mystery when he came over from Russia, and then last year they gave him such a small role. Yep. That we didn't really have a very good idea of what he was, that a lot of the shine came off of him because it was like, "Well, how can you be excited about this?" But I think we're seeing this year with a little bit more time, a little bit more of a, a of a consistent role and not playing like buried, yeah, deep fourth line minutes. You're seeing a guy with some skill. And I'm encouraged, man. I think that he's a guy that could be a player for them down the road. He might not be anything more than like a, a forward or whatever. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, like, what a Logan O'Connor is right now or a Sheldon sure. Dries, where like that maybe, like, maybe he's like your 15th guy that you just keep in your AHL team for a
0: while. I mean, if you get an NHL game out of a fifth round pick, you did pretty well.
1: Yeah, so. which is the one thing that's kind of funny about where all, everybody being like, Anton Lindholm sucks. Like, this was like one of their very few success stories later in the draft of the entire decade. I, yeah, I mean, that's a hard conversation with a lot of factors going into it, but... I mean, they've gotten 60 games out of a guy that they drafted in the fifth round. Of their worst draft class of the decade, too. In 2014. Like, they got something, I guess. They got something out of that class, and it was uh, 60 games of
0: Anton Lindholm, which... Okay. I guess, I guess you 60, take it. Yeah. Hey, 60 games and counting. 63 tonight, in fact. Yeah. So,
1: you know, who knows what... I, who knows what tomorrow holds other than the Hurricanes sitting around, apparently, just in Denver, hanging out, waiting for the abs
0: cool. of those yeah. scheduling quirks. It drives me crazy, by the way. Well, this is like their fourth or fifth back to back where the other team has been rested this right. year, too. Like, it's, it's stupid. It's It's
1: like and normally, normally that usually like normally like the Montreal one that they had. Where you know they played in Toronto, and the next night they played in Montreal. Montreal was rested, but Montreal, that was the first night of a back-to-back for Montreal. And they went in on the next night and played somebody else on the second night of a back of their back-to-back, and they were playing a rested team that was on the first night of their back-to-back. And so there's like, right, like there was like a chain of them in that schedule. It was really cool to like see how they built it. And, like, I get those because that's, like, the team has the advantage on one night but not the next night. And so competitively you feel good about that. That's not the case tomorrow. The Hurricanes flew in. They they played Tuesday in Winnipeg, smoked the Jets, flew into Colorado today, chilled all day, play tomorrow, and then fly home and have Friday off. And it's easy peasy.
0: Yeah, that's there's a just, bit silly.
1: It, there's just no reason for it. It's like, why are you jamming these games in here in this way?
0: You'd have to ask the NHL scheduler on that one, because I certainly don't know. Uh, um, like if you're gonna do that, like
1: make make Colorado and uh, uh, make Colorado and Carolina both play on Wednesday after having played Tuesday night in other cities.
0: Just keep
1: it even right right and then and then Colorado you know I guess they can have a day off and then they can fly to you can push the Chicago game back and have another uh, home and home against the uh, Blackhawks.
0: well I don't know there I'm sure there's certain specifications that, or I whatever mean, behind all of it but that would have
1: made more sense to me than this
0: like Chicago plays Friday and
1: Chicago and the apps play Friday and Saturday United Center in Denver second home and home that they played in a month Carolina and the abs are both tired on Wednesday um, on a second night of a back-to-back. They both played Tuesday night in Winnipeg in St. Louis. Instead, the abs are coming in after playing tonight. The abs are going in, uh, going into to Pepsi center tomorrow, having traveled and the hurricanes are just sitting around. There was a, there you go. I just fixed your scheduling quirk without having to change anything else with any of the other teams and made it make more sense. Congratulations. AJ, You're master
0: scheduler. There you go.
1: <sighs> um, I just don't understand that quirk annoys me because it just feels like a competitive disadvantage that doesn't exist for a good reason. If you absolutely have to do it, I get it. Like you got 82 games for 31 teams. That you got to
0: figure out. It's hard. Yep. I I'm with you. I think the scheduling has been dumb for years, but let's wrap it up. Final thoughts on the Avs is the season officially uncanceled since they smoked Chicago. <laughs> It is –
1: let's see how they do against Carolina because Carolina is another good team. So let's see see how they do against Carolina because then Chicago again Saturday. What if they lose both of those games? Then the season is super-duper canceled.
0: (laughs) So I don't want to uncancel it yet. All right. Preach patience. We'll see what happens against Carolina, and no doubt you will be hearing from us after that. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next one.